Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the local markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. This podcast is targeted at the individual with an interest in the financial markets, but who probably doesn't have the time for research and analysis. That is why I created the Market Color podcast to collate and analyze the data on your behalf and to present it in a brief and concise manner that is easy for you to consume. Ladies and gentlemen, this year is episode number 58, and as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I am in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis that will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets, and in particular, how economic data influences asset prices. I will keep you posted on the progress. So this week, we're reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 22nd week of 2023, and that is from Monday, the 29th of May, to Friday, the 2nd of June. And without further ado, this is your host, Jemu Huri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United States, where late on Thursday night, the Senate approved legislation to raise the U.S. debt ceiling and in the process averted a potential sovereign debt default by the United States. The bill has since been forwarded to the president, who signed it into law on Saturday, just two days before the Treasury deadline that was set for the 5th of June. And staying in the United States, the Labor Department reported on Friday that the U.S. economy continued to create jobs in the month of May as non-farm payrolls surged more than expected. And this is despite the ongoing challenges of persistent inflation and rising interest rates. The payrolls data from the public and private sector increased by an impressive 339,000 new jobs in the month of May, which was far better than the consensus estimates for 190,000 new jobs, and this marked the 29th consecutive month of positive jobs growth for the U.S. economy. Meanwhile, the unemployment rate unexpectedly rose to 3.7%, and this is despite the fact that the labor force participation rate remained unchanged for the month. And across the pond in Europe, inflation in the Eurozone fell more than expected, as flash figures showed that the bloc's annual headline inflation rate fell to 6.1% in the month of May, down from 7% in April, and this was the lowest level since February 2022. Meanwhile, core inflation, which excludes food and energy prices, also fell to 5.3% from 5.6% the previous month. 
The European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde said inflation was still too high and was set to remain high for much longer. The European Central Bank meets on the 15th of June to review its monetary policy stance, which has seen it gradually raise its benchmark rate from negative 0.5% to 3.25%, which is its highest level since November 2008. In the U.S. stock market, the Dow Jones Industrial Average surged on Friday for its best day since January, as traders celebrated a strong jobs report as well as the passage of a debt ceiling bill that averted a U.S. debt default. The 30-stock Dow Jones jumped 701 points to end the day at 33,762, while the S&P 500 climbed 1.45% to close at 4,282, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite advanced 1.07%, to 13,240. Friday's advance pushed all the three major indices into positive territory for the week as the Dow Jones rose by 2% and the S&P 500 climbed by about 1.8% while the Nasdaq closed the trading week 2% higher to record its sixth consecutive positive week. In the U.S. bond market, the yields on U.S. treasuries rose on Friday as investors digested the hotter-than-expected payrolls data. The yield on the 10-year treasury bond was up 9 basis points to 3.698%, whilst the yield on the 2-year treasury note rose by 16 basis points and was last seen trading at 4.503%. The markets remained focused on economic data and monetary policy, and in particular whether the Federal Reserve will opt either to skip or continue its rate-hiking campaign at its next policy meeting. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil rose more than 2% on Friday after the U.S. Congress passed a debt ceiling deal that averted a U.S. debt default and the better-than-expected jobs report improved the demand outlook for oil. The international benchmark Brent crude settled 2.5% higher at 76.13 U.S. dollars a barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark, that is West Texas Intermediate, rose by 2.3% to 71.74 U.S. dollars per barrel. However, for the week, both benchmarks fell more than 1%, for their fast weekly losses in the past three weeks. Oil traders are now focused on the OPEC Plus meeting that is scheduled for the 4th of June, where the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries and its allies is expected to discuss production levels after its April supply cut of 1.16 million barrels per day failed to deliver on the expected price increases. Meanwhile, Marban oil, which Kenya imports, declined to 73.59 US dollars per barrel compared to 77.26 US dollars the previous week. In the precious metals market, the price of gold fell on Friday but was still on course for a weekly gain, and this was despite the hotter than expected jobs report that lifted Treasury yields 
but gold was supported by a higher unemployment rate that raised the hopes that the Federal Reserve may consider posing its rate-hiking campaign at its next policy meeting. Despite the deep on Friday, spot gold still managed a weekly gain of 1.3% to settle at $1,969 per ounce for its best weekly performance since April. Traders are now pricing in a 70% chance that the Fed will leave rates unchanged later this month. For your information, higher interest rates increase the opportunity cost of holding the non-yielding asset that is gold, which therefore makes it less attractive to investors. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. And this week, we start by looking at the cost of living in Kenya. Overall, inflation increased marginally to 8% in the month of May from 7.9% in April. And this was mainly driven by higher food and energy prices. Food inflation increased slightly to 10.2% due to a sharp increase in sugar prices, while fuel inflation increased to 13.6% as a result of higher electricity and petrol prices. Meanwhile, core inflation, also referred to as non-food, non-fuel inflation, increased modestly to 4.3%, up from 4.1% in April. In the foreign exchange market during the past week, the Kenyan shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies, but remained stable and resilient versus the regional currencies. According to data from the central bank, the Kenyan shilling was trading at 138.49 versus the U.S. dollar compared to 138.13 the previous week. However, commercial banks were selling the U.S. dollar at between 142 shillings on the lower side to 148 shillings on the higher side. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 172.12 and the euro was valued at 148.54. And on the regional front, one Kenyan shilling was changing hands for 27.19 Ugandan shillings and 17.07 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.16. It is still my considered opinion that the Kenya shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future as the country remains weighed down by excessive external debts, which have increased our debt-to-GDP ratio above the 70% level, and as debt servicing costs consume about 60% of total revenue collections. On foreign exchange reserves during the past week, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves increased marginally by just $33 million to $6.512 billion, which is equivalent to 3.62 months of import cover. However, this amount remains below the required threshold and is in breach of the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. Kenya's foreign exchange reserves have now dropped to their lowest level in the past 10 years, and this is the result of increased foreign debt repayments coupled with the country's inability to access the international financial markets due to the high cost of U.S. dollar debt. 
In the money markets, the liquidity situation in the interbank market remained tight during the past week as tax remittances to the government exceeded and more than offset government payments into the market. Commercial banks' excess reserves in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 27.7 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active as the average interbank rate increased to 9.35% compared to 9.25% the previous week. And during the week, the average value traded in the interbank market declined to 20.1 billion shillings from 27.4 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Wednesday, the 31st of May, and the central bank received bids totaling 23.6 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance of 98%. Meanwhile, interest rates increased marginally but remained stable as the bulk of the bids, about 20 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate increased by 27 basis points to break above 11% and settled at 11.10%. Meanwhile, the 182-day rate was flat at 11.11%, and the 364-day rate ticked up by just four basis points to trade at 11.49%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01%, and therefore 100 basis points is equivalent to one percentage point. In the primary bond market, the Central Bank of Kenya has published a prospectus and invited bids for seven-year amortized infrastructure bond issue number IFB1 stroke 2023 stroke 007, whose terms and conditions are as follows. The central bank is looking to raise 60 billion shillings for the stated purpose of funding infrastructure projects as per the budget estimates for the financial year 2022 stroke 2023. The coupon rate for this bond will be market determined and the bond is now open for sale until the 13th of June. As is the norm with infrastructure bonds, the interest earned on this bond will be tax-free as provided for under the Income Tax Act. The fact that the bond is amortized simply means that a portion of the principal amount invested, in this case 50%, will be repaid prior to maturity of the bond in June 2030. And finally, given the country's debt sustainability concerns and based on the current yield curve, we expect investors to push up their bids for these particular bonds and see higher rates at between 14.5% to 14.9%. In the secondary bond market, the turnover in the domestic market increased by 78% to 68 billion shillings in the month of May, pointing towards increased activity by commercial banks. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds were on a downward trajectory 
as they declined by an average of 19 basis points. And case in point is the yield on the 10-year paper that matures next year in 2024, which declined by about 20 basis points from 15.7% to 15.5%. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the past week, the equities market reversed trend and was on an upward trajectory as the NASI, the NSE 20, and the NSE 25 gained by 7.3%, 4.6%, and 6.3% respectively. However, their year-to-date performance remains in the red with losses of 17.5% for the NASI, 7.1% for the NSE 20, and 14% for the NSE 25. The market's performance was mainly driven by gains recorded by large-cap stocks such as Safaricom, Standard Chartered Bank, Absa Bank, and NCBA Bank, which increased by 12.6%, 9.1%, 7.4%, 6.9% respectively. These gains were, however, weighed down by losses recorded by other large-cap stocks such as British American Tobacco and Bamburi, which declined by 5.6% and 3.2% respectively. And news from the banking sector indicates that Kenya Commercial Bank Group has injected an additional capital of 4.1 billion shillings into its local subsidiary, the National Bank of Kenya, and this is in order to lift its capital ratios above the statutory requirement. National Bank was in breach of its total capital to risk weighted assets, which stood at 13.5% as of December 2022, against a statutory requirement of 14.5%. The capital injected has raised National Bank's supplementary capital to 5.17 billion shillings in the first quarter of 2023 compared to 1.13 billion shillings as at the end of last year. This latest round of funding has boosted the bank's capital position to make it compliant with the central bank's statutory requirements. Next up is the topical issue, and this week we are reviewing the decision of the Central Bank's Monetary Policy Committee, which met on Monday, the 29th of May. The policy meeting was held against the backdrop of continued global uncertainties that are mainly driven by geopolitical tensions that have hampered global economic growth, which is characterized by elevated inflationary pressures and rising interest rates as central banks across the world respond to these challenges. The highlights of the committee's meeting included the recently released Economic Survey 2023 which showed that the Kenyan economy remained resilient in 2022, despite the subdued performance of the agricultural sector due to unfavorable weather conditions during that period. The real gross domestic product grew by 4.8% in 2022, reflecting a robust performance of the services sector. And in particular, the banking sector remained stable and resilient with strong liquidity and capital adequacy ratios as the ratio of gross non-performing loans increased to 14.6% in April compared to 14% in February. 
Meanwhile, the growth in private sector credit stood at 13.2% in April compared to 11.7% in February. The committee noted that the impact of the previous tightening of monetary policy in March was still transmitting through the economy. Additionally, the government program to allow for duty-free importation of specific food items is expected to moderate prices and ease domestic inflationary pressures. In view of these developments, the committee decided to retain the central bank rate at 9.5%. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, as well as Google Podcasts. Please subscribe and remember to turn on alerts to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhuriji at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. And I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, the powerful play that is your life goes on. And hopefully, you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? That was Robin Williams in the Dead Poets Society, 1989. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.